All right, well, like I said earlier, I have been at Brookside Christian Reformed Church the last few days, enjoying spending my long weekend with 70 other guys in a church. It's been an amazing weekend. And like I said earlier, um, the, the theme of the weekend is the topic of restored for a reason. Some of you know Dave Hoving. He's kind of in charge of the weekend. And so his theme is that we are restored for a reason, that God does things in our life to restore us for a reason. And we need to understand that reason why and do what God has called us to do. So as Ben McKnight opened the very first talk, he talked about how often reputation will create expectation. And for many of us, we kind of understand that. You know, if we are looking for a restaurant to eat at, we kind of go online because we want to figure out what is the reputation of that restaurant. Because if it has a really good reputation, it kind of makes you a little bit hungry. And you want to go eat there, and maybe they'll say what food is really good there, and you're going to do it. Or maybe you're going to go to a hotel, and you're going to look at the Yelp reviews online, if you can trust those, or maybe some Google reviews, and you kind of get a little bit of an idea what the hotel is like and what the facilities are like, and it starts to create this expectation that you might get excited. Or you might look at a hotel reviews and say, that don't look good at all. Those pictures doesn't look attractive, or that restaurant got a lot of bad reviews, so you're like, I think I'm going to avoid that place. And so we all do that in our life, and we also do that in our personal life. Now, we're all trying to create this reputation of who we are and what we are to kind of influence that your expectation. So sometimes we're pretty guarded on how honest we're going to be or how vulnerable we're going to be because if you really, really knew who I was, would you all come next week? So Gam thought that was funny too. He's like, I got you figured out. And so sometimes we do that and to protect ourselves, we kind of create this whole persona that this is who I want you to think I am because I want you to like me better. I want you to come back to like effect, and I want you to um, you know, think better of me than I really am. So we spend a lot of time in our life just working on our reputation because it's going to create expectation. But the truth is we all have given God a reputation as well. Based on our own experiences in our life, we have this reputation that we give to Jesus and this reputation that we've given to God the Father and we kind of give to the Holy Spirit based on our experiences. And through these experiences that we have, it's going to create our expectations that we have. And sometimes our experiences are more influenced by our deception. And sometimes our deception is going to create us to have not much of an expectation of God or for what He can do or for what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. So we're coming today to talk about what are your expectations and what has influenced your, rep, your expectations. Today we're going to talk about a man who had leprosy. I don't know how long he had leprosy, but he had leprosy for a while and he had it very bad. And back in that day, leprosy was not just a little bit of a sickness, it wasn't just a disease that you had to deal with. It was a social disease. If you had leprosy, people looked at you like you were very unclean. It was a contagious disease, and there was nothing that you could do at that day to get over leprosy. You had leprosy, you're kind of stuck with it. Doctors really can't help. Nurses can't help. 
Nothing. And so if a person had leprosy at that time, they were isolated. The only thing that you could do was to move them away and to give them to let them live in a different location. Because if they lived in a different location, at least they were protected from infecting anybody else. So back in that day, if you had leprosy, it was not just a physical disease. It was a social disease that caused you to live in isolation. And a lot of people nowadays can kind of understand what that's like. Maybe you don't have a contagious disease, but you do feel like if somebody really knew the inside of you, that they might look at you like a leper and be kind of afraid that maybe you are contagious. And so we often build walls around our lives of who we want to come in contact with us and who we want to stay away. Because the big fear at that time, in that, in that Bible time, was that if somebody with leprosy touched you, you would get it. And actually, that was true. It was that contagious. So I'm going to talk about why Jesus came, and that's the series that we're in of why did Jesus come to this earth? See, we all have different expectations for why he came. And so I want to talk about why did he really come. And so last week we spent a lot of time understanding the fact that Jesus came to serve the helpless. In um, Mark 10, verse 45, it says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think most of us, when we read that verse, even though we can read it ten times, ten times in a row, we read that verse and we think it says, For the Son of Man came for people to serve him. That's how we read it. We think that some way God came here and we just need to all serve him all the time. Now we will serve him in a different way we talked about last week, but the way we serve God is just surrendering to God. We submit to God. And the rest of this passage goes on that Jesus came to serve us and to give us life as a ransom for many. And this is kind of the first step of our relationship with Jesus is recognizing the fact that we are completely helpless and that there's nothing that we could do to change our circumstances or to change our life or to change our situation. And when you understand that fact, that there's nothing you can do, you can start understanding the fact of how Jesus is going to set the captives free. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how Jesus came to set the captives free. In Romans 10, verse 11, it says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Shame is a big part of your life if you're dealing with leprosy. Because nobody wants to be around you. Everybody's scared of you. In fact, what they would do with a person with leprosy in biblical times, if they had to come in town, that they would have to cry out, leper, leper. So people knew that they were coming so people could kind of get away from them. And we've done that in our culture to some people. We've marginalized some people in our culture, and we've called them lepers because we don't want to be around them. It's an interesting thing on this weekend that I'm serving. You know, you kind of go low budget. So I think some of the cups that they got us were like from unclaimed freight or something. Because their mugs, they're like plastic cups from the Hard Rock Cafe. And on the cups it says, love all, serve all. And I thought, you know, that really needs to be the slogan of the church. That we love all and we serve all. But sometimes in the church, it seems sometimes like we do. I know I do that. It's kind of like question all and then love all and serve all. 
but kind of you question first. And I love that theme that Hard Rock Cafe had going on for a while to love all and to serve all. And I thought, you know what? If we don't do that in the church, that's why they go to Hard Rock Cafe. Because they're going to be loved and they're going to be served. And so that's weighed heavily on me this weekend. Am I really loving all people and serving all people as Christ would have me do? Because there's a lot of people with shame. And the scripture says you will not be put to shame. And sometimes people are shamed. And I think as a body of believers, we need to really be working hard on loving all and serving all. And so what is shame? In the Bible, shame is often this negative emotion that's caused by an awareness of wrongdoing. We know what that's like. Guilt is closely associated with shame. Guilt starts out, well, okay, I did something wrong, and God will use guilt to kind of correct our course to get us stopping to go down a course that we might be doing. God might be convicting us of sin. But then shame comes in the picture, and shame says, you're a bad person. Shame is a bad person because of what you are doing or what you have done. Brenny Brown says it this way. She said, increasingly painful feelings or experiencing experiences of believing that we are flawed. I got to start that all over. Okay. Increasingly painful feelings or experiences of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. That's her definition of shame. This feeling that we are flawed to the point that we don't belong anymore. And that's what we see in the scripture about a person with leprosy feeling that they are so flawed that they have to be isolated and go to a different place to live because they would not be welcomed around. So where does all this shame come from? You know, we can come from your family of origin. You can be raised in a family where shame is just kind of part of the culture in your family and you are just raised feeling like you are just bad or insignificant. And sometimes personal stuff happens to you. People do stuff to you that cause you to have this feeling of shame. Or sometimes things that you've done yourself and maybe you repeatedly have done things and you just feel so guilty that now you just feel so shameful. And the fact is there are spiritual issues in our life. We are born into sin and we have an enemy that roars around us like a lion looking to devour us, making us feel shamed or unworthy that we need to live in a different place or situation. But in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 61, is a, is a text about why did Jesus come to earth. And one of the most pivotal parts of the New Testament is in Luke 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus comes into the temple. And he goes into the temple and he takes the scroll from Isaiah 61 and he stands up before the crowd and he reads off this section of Scripture to say to the world and to say to the people that this is why he has come. So Jesus with boldness, comes into the temple and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. See, when Jesus walked into the temple that day and took up the scroll, he was saying, People, I'm here. And things are about to get very, very different. And that's what Jesus says every time he enters into a situation is things are about ready to get very different. 
It's kind of his statement, his prophetic statement to the world of things are going to become different and what he says I'm going to do is I'm going to reverse your status. I'm going to reverse your social status. And I'm going to do it through reconciling your relationship to God. Because everything that Jesus has come to do is all designed to reconcile us to God. And through our relationship with God and our new identity with God, it's going to reverse our social status. That the good news will be proclaimed to take away our shame and to give us favor. And the good news will release us from oppression and the good news will release us from prison. It's a simple message that Jesus came with power to reverse any social status that you might be feeling. And his main thing that we're going to see today is how he's going to take somebody from feeling that they are dirty and helping them to make them feel clean. And that he's going to take them from isolation to living in community. And he's going to take people who are helpless and help them. He's going to take people who are living in captivity and help them feel God's love and acceptance. See, so many people in our society and our culture live with secret sin or silent struggle. And sometimes they feel marginalized that way, that I can't be open and I can't be honest. And if I was open and honest, people would reject me. And I would become like the leper. And I have to be, go to my own place. So I want to read Luke 5, verse 12 through 14, where we see the story of this man. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Other translations will say he was filled with leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So we see the story of this man who's filled with leprosy. He's filled with this social disease that causes him to live in isolation. In, in, in the book of Leviticus, it talks about people with leprosy, that in the culture, the idea was if you had leprosy, you had to walk around and dress and act like you were going to a funeral. That was how you behaved. It affected your whole appearance, all your outside appearance. What was happening to you from a physical disease would suddenly influence the way you dressed and the way you acted, that people would look at you. Even if they couldn't see your leprosy, they could look at you and say, there's something wrong with that person because look how they're dressed. And that's what this man was probably used to feeling, like everybody's staring at me. It was kind of like they were required by culture to live a life where they just felt remorseful over who they are and how they are. See, in our culture, sometimes we kind of have this little 
romantic fantasy with isolation. And we like to have time for me and time to be alone. And that is healthy. We do need downtime. But I think sometimes our culture, we don't, we think it'd be really nice to have a break from everyone for a week or two or three. And I think sometimes it's hard to understand what it would be like to be that leper. To be so isolated. It's nice to choose when you want to be isolated. It's hard when the choice is made for you. So this is what that man's feeling like, is I have no choice. How he is, is now becoming who he is. It's becoming his identity. His identity is completely wrapped up in the fact that he is an outcast. So it's interesting to see how the man is going to approach Jesus. He probably doesn't have any real expectation because his experiences in life have caused him to not expect much. But yet this man is coming to Jesus. He reminds me a little bit about the prodigal son. Not that this man has done anything wrong and lived like a prodigal, but the switching point in the story of the prodigal son, which many of you probably know really well, is a switching point is when it says, and the prodigal son came to himself. And suddenly everything started to switch. And we know from Scripture that when the the text says he came to himself, that means the Holy Spirit started working on him and started to convince the prodigal son, yeah, there's a different life for you. And I think that's what happens to this man with leprosy. At some point, the Holy Spirit came to him and started to stir in him that there's a different expectation that you can have for your future. There's a different way that your life could be. That had to be a big risk for this man because he probably lived for years and years with the idea that nothing could ever change. And suddenly he's starting to have these internal feelings like maybe life can be different. Maybe God can do something for me. So this man comes before Jesus and it says boldly. Where does boldness come from? He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Suddenly he has this new expectation that Jesus' power could actually work for him. See, that man was used to the law at the time, which said if you had a disease like this, the only difference that could be in your life is that if you brought sacrifices to the temple. Somehow or another that you could do something to pay for your own sins or pay for your situation, and suddenly those rules are going away. And Jesus is saying, I am going to come in and I'm going to take care of any requirement for the sin in your life, for, for for the situation in your life. And I think what's cool about the leper is he doesn't deny his problems. He doesn't try to put on a mask or hide what's going on in his life. Instead, he comes completely before Jesus. And he gets on the ground at the most vulnerable position that he could be and is on the ground kneeling before the Lord. He's fallen on his face and he's begging. He's putting himself in the dirt. He's actually making himself even more unclean by laying in the dirt, but he knows he needs to get vulnerable before the Lord. And that's a humble place to be in. The man's already feeling not that good about himself, but now he's going to actually get extra humble, and he's going to get in the dirt. He's getting in a position of understanding 
of respect and submission to God. His own body language is starting to show that he's starting to get what's going on here. Sometimes that's the absolute hardest thing to do in our life, to get to that place where we know we just have to submit and surrender. I think it's easy for us to say, yeah, I'll submit and surrender after I'm cleansed and whole. But this guy is the understanding, yeah, I got to surrender first. I got to surrender first and then see what happens next. So this man gets down on the ground in a position of total surrender. Kind of like we talked about last week where he gets to this place and recognizes there is absolutely nothing I can do to change my social status or my situation. So he gets down on the ground. And then Jesus does something to him that is completely different and completely unexpected. Jesus turns towards him. See, this man's used to people turning from him and running. But now Jesus is turning towards him. And Jesus is actually going to touch this man and put his hand on him. Now, most people have been scared to touch that man with leprosy because you're going to get it. But Jesus understands, and Jesus is showing his principle of substitution. His principle of substitution on the cross that he is willing to touch you because he can take on your disease and he can defeat your disease. So Jesus touches this man knowing full well that the disease would come on him, but Jesus knows because he is Jesus, the Son of God, he can defeat the disease and it will not affect him. So he stretches out that hand and he touches him and says, I will be clean. That touch was powerful. And that's why Jesus came to serve. And then Jesus speaks to him and says, I am willing to do what you're asking. For that man, that was one of his biggest obstacles in life is that nobody would touch him. And Jesus says, I will touch you. And it's a beautiful picture to see Jesus taking on all of that man's defilement taking on all his defilement and completely restoring him and that helpless person, and that is Christianity. When you're willing to serve somebody at the risk of somebody else thinking you could be defiled, we do that with social situations. We don't want to socialize with somebody because we don't like their status in life and we worry about their reputation becoming our reputation. But see, Jesus was willing to give his reputation for these men, for this man. I think some of us identify with this leper. We all identify that we think there's this part of me that if you really knew, if I was really going to get on stage and take off all the mask, if you really, really, really knew, you'd feel that you'd be like the leper. So Jesus shows us this passage to give us the encouragement that we can come to Jesus honest as well. Sometimes we think of Jesus as we kind of, his reaction to us is what we think somebody else's reaction would be. And that's why I love how this man came boldly before Christ and just laid in the dirt and says, this is who I am. 
And Jesus says, I'm willing to touch you. See, Jesus wants to heal every one of us. And I think sometimes we have a hard time understanding the healing of health and the healing of wholeness. See, time and time again, we see in Scripture that Jesus came to bring wholeness first. He always came to reconcile us to God. And he always comes to, to heal those shattered pieces of our life so there's no obstacle between us and our relationship with God the Father. And that's always his first plan, reconciliation with God. But we often want our health restored first. It's easy in our culture to think my health is more important than our relationship with God. We all struggle with that, especially when we're sick. And I think sometimes we give God a reputation based on what we think he should do first or second, and that's going to influence our expectations of him. But I think the confidence we can have before God is no matter what situation we are in, if it is a health issue or wholeness issue, that Jesus is willing. And the greatest thing that he can do for us is to restore our relationship with the Father and to restore our relationship within a community. And that's what happens to this man. But it's interesting that Jesus heals this man. He's completely healed. And it's a beautiful picture. And you'd think it'd be a huge celebration. And Jesus would say, quick, go tell every single person. But Jesus is like, you know, don't make a big deal out of it. Instead, I want you to go, um, as the law would say, I need you to go to a priest and have them examine you according to the biblical guidelines. You're like, why did Jesus do that? Jesus knew that man was healed. Because essentially what Jesus is saying to this man with leprosy, okay, now I healed you. Now you have a responsibility to follow the word of God. You have a responsibility to follow what the word says. And so he's instructing this man, you need to read my word and you need to follow me. See, we focus on the story and we think, okay, he was healed immediately and that's kind of where we stop reading. But what Jesus is saying, you're healed immediately, now follow my word. See, it's interesting for this man, this man with leprosy, yes, he was healed, but if he would have went back to where he was from, he'd have been infected again. If this man would have gone back to his old way of life, he would have been infected again. If this man would have went back to his old community, he would have been infected again. If this man went back to his old friends, he would have been infected again. If this man went back to his old lifestyle, he would be infected all again. So what Jesus has to do with this man is give him a new mindset, to give him a new thought process. See, this man was familiar with living in isolation, and that would probably be his go-to place. Go back to living in isolation. But now this man's called to live in community, and this man was used to living as a rejected man. Rejection feels more comfortable to him. That's what he's used to. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to change how you're thinking. He needs a new mindset to go along with his new freedom. See, in Luke 4, verse 19, when Jesus is reading why he came to earth, he says, I come to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
In that, picture, in that passage, he's returning to the year of Jubilee, which was a, a celebration in the Old Testament that the Lord, that there'd be seasons in your life where all your, all your past debts were forgiven. And you had to wait for that season every seven years or 50 years to wait for the season to your debts to be forgiven. But in the New Testament principle, what Jesus comes to do is he says, any day you can have a year of Jubilee. That any day can be an immediate day for you to find healing from your unclean, from feeling unclean. That any day can be the day that God can walk, Jesus can come into your life and change every situation. That any day he can do that. And in the story, this man was told by Jesus, you go back to the priest. You study the word of God. But then there's a couple days comes where then we take the message to others. And then we share the message with others. And as I said, that's kind of the theme of the weekend that I'm on right now is that we are restored for a reason. So this man was restored for a reason. And I like the last verse of this text that we read going back to Luke verse 5. It says, this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed that this man's life will now become a public testimony, that how he lives his life will now be a public testimony. And I think that's why I opened in talking about that phrase of love all, serve all, is that is our public testimony that we have each been cleansed, that we have the ability and capacity to love all and to serve all. And we're not afraid of defilement from other people just because we hang out with people that some don't like their reputation. So I want to ask Libby to come up and close us in song. I, I know I'm a little bit early, but I have places to go. <laughs> I have a weekend to go to. I got to work late today. You used a half day on Sunday. I can actually work the whole day. And I know it's kind of a simple message, but I just want to leave you with Christ, with just this, this hard rock cafe message to love all and to serve all. Because if we don't do it, they're going to have to go to Hard Rock Cafe. And that's not what Christ has designed the church for. That people would have to go to Hard Rock Cafe to get loved and served. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for your message. Lord, when you said to this man that had such a bad reputation in his society and culture, that Lord, you looked at him and said, I am willing be healed. That was radical news. Lord, help us to be the radical news church. Help us to be the radical news people that love all and serve all and let, Lord, you bring healing. Because, Lord, that's what happened. This man was healed and then he was confirmed he was healed and then he was a testimony. That his story became a testimony. Lord, I pray for empowerment from your Holy Spirit to help each of us to do what you're calling us to do, to love all and to serve all. Lord, I thank you for this time together. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to leave here and go and make a difference.